Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to go ahead and just come out and say it. You are never going to win with someone else's recipe if you did not make a conscious decision to factor in your ingredients. When you follow somebody else's recipe, be it for business, for marriage, for mothering, for whatever it is that you are currently trying to go through in your life, and you look to someone else, and it may be for good reason. You admire the fruit that they're bearing. You admire the results that they're getting. You admire where they're currently at. And you're like, yo, how did you get there? Just give me a few pieces of like, you know, how'd you do it? If you go back and apply their recipe, what it's going to force you to do and what you're going to come across anyway is you're going to realize you're short a few ingredients. You don't have what they have. That's not your situation. You didn't. And then it does one or two things. It makes you feel immediately defeated because you already feel like I lost before I can even win. Because if the recipe is supposed to give you the coordinates to its success, then if you don't have those particular coordinates and ingredients to meet those coordinates, then you already lost. So what's the point of even trying? So what's the point? Now you have to either reshape yourself or just accept the L. The second thing that it does is it has the potential to make you quit before you even start because you already measured up, man, this is not for me. I don't have that. I don't, I don't. And again, it all boils down to you not factoring in the most permanent and prominent person in this entire equation. And it's you literally, bro. Let me tell you something. God unlocked me in a way that I'm just like, yeah, I could cry. I could run. I could, I could be, I could be, I'm sorry. It just came in my head, but I could literally, I just, I'm just so thankful that God wouldn't allow for me to continue on a path that even if I had a good intentions, if he sees that it's not getting me to where he wants me to be, that he would speak to me and recalculate me. I am so glad that I'm loved by a savior that will go ahead and let me know that was their plan, but God already has a plan for you. I'm so glad that when it feels off, I no longer am the person that tries to push through irritations or push through things that don't feel natural to me, that I actually pause and say, God, am I doing something that's off? And I think it's because, honestly, for almost all of our lives, someone is telling us how to do something. Someone is telling somebody how to study. I will never forget. The first time I seen my children study before, I was like, what are you doing? They were like, oh, I can't study in quiet, which blew my mind because how we were taught is you go to the table, you have your stuff lined out, nothing is on, no TV, no radio, nothing that could air quote distract. And this is how you study. And you study for this amount of time and you study this amount of time before the test and you study pre and it had all these different kind of like checkpoints on this is the proper way to study. Yo, my son, I was like, why is this radio on? He was like, oh, I, I studied my, my, my best. And um, matter of fact, he switched it later on. As he got older, I see it change. Now he studies the classical music.
I was like, and you retain that? He was like, yeah, but I couldn't argue that. Why? Because the results, the fruit that he bared was like, okay, so maybe there's another way to study. So that when my daughter came behind him and was like, oh, this is how I study too. And her grades look like a, a teenage person's uh, age. I was like, no, that's not how you study. That's how you saw your brother do it. And so you admire that you tried to take his recipe and put it into your life and you're not getting his fruit. So no, you would be going back to old school. And you know what works for her? Exactly that. She has to be at a table. She has to have her notes and stuff out and she has to get quizzed. I cannot remember the last time I quizzed my son outside of middle school. Once he got to high school, I, I knew he had a test because the grades populated in, in the system that was for the parents to check it. My daughter, no, she only did well with the test that we, we tested her and, and watched her study in. And so I'm like, God bless the grandbabies who are stuck in sequences of, but this is how a person told me to do it. And they're never paying attention to the fruit that they are bearing with that recipe. Some, you go to work, somebody tells you what time you have to be there. Somebody tells you what time to take lunch. And even if you don't take lunch at the, you know, 12, one o'clock, if you took lunch at two, three o'clock, guess what they would say? Oh, you have a late lunch today. It's like they already, if you don't take it at this time, the opportune lunchtime, oh, you took a late lunch. Someone tells you when it's time to leave. If not, it's considered overtime. Someone tells you when's a good time for you to have children. That's kind of, you know, lifting up a little bit because the new age grandbabies are like, listen, what you're not going to do is raise the prices on everything and then force me to have kids. Y'all can have a nice day, which I truly respect. It's a different kind of gangsta. I ain't going to hold you. It's a face tat in there somewhere. But it is literally identifying quickly when something does not naturally sit with you and you do not bear the fruit of the recipe that was given to you. Let me explain something to you. Coming out of corporate and getting in this freelancer game, I am a grandbaby that I want to know all the ways, give me all the rules and let me go ahead and collect from that and see what's kind of, you know, if I see some, if I can see that it makes sense, right? If I can see that there is a method to the madness kind of thing, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and try that. So listening to one motivational speaker and a couple of other things that I was looking into, what the premise was essentially is, yo, create a schedule for yourself. Create a morning routine. Try not to pick up your phone. You know, each of them were kind of given a little bit of the same gestures. It's just that they were given different recipes. But essentially what everybody was agreeing to is you got to have some type of a schedule. You can't just wake up one day and be like, oh, I think I'm going to do, you know, some say make your schedule up in the morning. Some say go ahead and do it the night before. You know, you, you kind of got to know yourself in order to know what works for you. That's the key to the game. Please remember that. And so listening to one motivational speaker, he's like, yo, you got to wake up at 3 a.m. I was like, ooh, I can stay up to 3 a.m., but I ain't going to hold you. The get up part is a little, uh, okay. So then I looked at something else. 
You should get up at 5 a.m. Matter of fact, it's even a book behind it, the 5 a.m. club. Like, it's a whole thing. So I'm like, well, for certainly. you know. And they had they even brought in one of my favorite subjects, psychology. That there's some psychology around waking up to the point of 5 a.m. before the sun rises because then you're able to go ahead and do a 20, 20, and 20, which should be a 20-minute exercise to the point that you sweat because sweat is a, it delivers a particular chemical to your brain that diffuses anything that would allow fear to enter. Like sweat is the combat to fear. So before you even wake up and have things pulling on you and emails and things that you're worried about for the day, if you are to statistically start your day off with a 20 minute bare minimum sweaty workout, it already puts yourself in a place that you haven't allowed any platform or foundation for fear to thrive. I was like, okay, the other 20 was you needed to go ahead and have something that you were reading, something that you were learning in, something that you were growing in, and you need to occupy your brain with that for 20 minutes, okay? The third 20 was, and now you need to go ahead and reflect. Some people call it meditate, some people call it prayer, but they use the term reflect, 20, 20, and 20. I was like, okay, another reason why they said that 5 a.m. was the best time to wake up for entrepreneurs and all people who want to see a difference in their lives is because you don't have time. The way that the brain is calibrated, that's not a time frame that you can reason with yourself. So if you're working out, you're like, uh, I can't do another set. The brain doesn't have whatever it is that that mechanism is that will go ahead and allow you to quit or allow you to reason with yourself. Like, okay, we're not going to do no more of that. So apparently uh, that's the time frame to be your most productive because you're kind of hacking your brain, so to speak. So what did I do? I saw the beauty in all of that. I was like, sign your girl up. You understand? I'm talking about UP. I'm talking about balloons on a house. Very much giving the movie up. I'm with it. Guess how successful I was in it. Bam. None. No, and I was like, wait a minute, I can, I can do this. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe what I need to do is I need to start like, you know, scaling back the hour. So if my alarm is set for like eight, then I can scale back to seven and then slowly scale back to six and slowly scale back. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I want to apologize to myself. The fact that I would have allowed the first portion of my day to be filled with frustration and disappointment because I couldn't put a check mark next to somebody else's box. That checklist wasn't for me. And I had to do a little, I had to pay attention because I was waking up angry like, man, I was supposed to be up two, three hours ago. Man, I was supposed to be. And I was frustrated and it was setting the mood for guess what? My day. And so I started hearing the Holy Spirit say to me, give yourself a little bit more grace. And I was like, no, I'm going to get this right. Because when I have my mind set on like I'm getting ready to do something, nine times out of ten, I'm pretty successful at it. But then I realized that as I am growing and maturing and unpacking myself, I'm only successful in those things that I've allowed room for myself. So I was like, yo, 
So literally, real time, I'm just going to be 100% with you. Today, I said, God, I can't keep waking up like that. I can't keep waking up feeling disappointed and frustrated and how come I didn't do and essentially beating myself up. I can't do it. He said, what about the 5 a.m. is making you feel like that's going to yield success? And real talk, this is, I literally have these kind of conversations. I was like, well, it's not necessarily the time. It's just if they're saying that this is the time frame that you got to wake up to have the most successful life, then I want to have a successful life. And so I want to go ahead. And he was like, but they didn't create you. And they also didn't, they don't have the plan. Like, remember, you keep bringing up Jeremiah 29, 11 for a reason. It's because I keep wanting for you to come to me for the recipe for your life. And you keep looking outwardly and seeing the recipe for other people. And you're like, oh, that looks like a good concept. Let me apply it to my life. And then when you fail, you come to me like, why, why wasn't I able to do that? Because I didn't make you that way. I was like, mm, okay, now hold up now. Now pause. I we don't gossip, so don't judge. This is real time, okay? Okay, resume. So I was like, okay. So God was like, name something that the world says that you should do that it just doesn't come natural to you. And I was like, getting up as soon as, soon as you wake up and then eating. Yeah, I don't eat breakfast as soon as I wake up. My stomach is like, excuse me. I, I, first of all, it's aggressive. <laughs> you just want to shove stuff in my stomach. I don't, mm -mm. And it doesn't work. I have tried. I've even had trainers in the past like, well, you know, just eat a little something. It just, it doesn't work for me. You know what works for me? Drinking a bottle of water and waiting about 30 minutes. And then I have an appetite. But you just get up. I don't have a craving for anything. I am not hungry. I know that you're supposed to break your fast breakfast, uh, but none of that applies to me. God was like, okay, so you allowed a room for yourself there. Imagine if you lived your entire life like, I have got to eat this sandwich. I got to eat this waffle. What will happen? I said I didn't feel well for the like bulk of the start of my day because I felt it, it, it was like forcing me to eat. Or forcing me to do something that my body was not in alignment with. I was like, God, I think I see what you're trying to do. God was like, mm -mm, keep going. What's something that is easy for you? Like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And the first thing that came to mind was my marriage. I was like, my marriage is easy to me. He was like, why? I said, because I don't have to be anybody but myself and the better versions of myself. I don't have to put on, I don't have to, it doesn't feel like a chore. So then I had to stop real quick. I was like, well, let me cross reference. I asked my husband in text real quick. I was like, is this marriage easy for you? And he was like, yes. I said, why? He was like, because I'm not stressed. It's not work for me. I was like, okay, God, I think I see what you're trying to do. Like I'm getting ready. And I literally was on the brink of tears texting my husband. I said, God just yet unlocked another level of freedom for me. Like I don't feel shackled to be anything but what he created for me to be. So God was like, what's a good time frame?" where you start your day and you feel well rested because what was happening was I was getting up. I was doing a little bit of exercise, but I was tired. I read something I don't remember because I was sleepy and I was like, dang, I'm failing all the 2020 and twenties. Like it's not working. And he said, because it's not for you. So he literally had me 
just create a schedule that works for me. And it was freeing to feel like, no, you're not lazy if you're not getting up at 3 a.m. You're not lazy if it's 5 a.m. God had to literally shift that in my mind. He was like, no, let me tell you what works. It's not even about what time you wake up. It's that you do what you said you were going to do for the day because I'm the grandbaby that I like to plan not the night before, not even the day of. I like to sit down over the weekend and kind of pencil point my week. Because it makes me feel like, okay, I'm consistent, I'm on schedule, and that if something comes up, it's okay. I don't jam-pack my schedule where if one thing doesn't go that day, it's like it, it shifts my whole entire schedule. I make a breathable schedule because pace means a lot to me because I am very in tune with what I feel, and I need to feel like I am fulfilling what I said I was going to do, and I want to be able to leave room for God to commune with me. It's one of the people in the Bible, I said it before, and I'll say it again that I truly admire and it's Enoch the Bible says that he walked with God and then he lived another couple of years and so it was like man I want to live a life that yeah you can set the devotional time and yeah you can set a particular prayer time but I want a life that is so open with the neon letters in my soul that God knows that my life is open to him I want to talk to him I want to speak to him while I'm grocery shopping I want to speak to him as I'm doing laundry most of my innovative ideas come with me just doing simplistic things I recently just learned about myself that I like to commune with God as I'm doing an activity something as simplistic as doing dishes cleaning up I put on something to hear or I just do it in silence but whatever it is like that's the time that I feel my most like oh my gosh like I really feel poured into but you know what the average people will tell you to do what you got to go in your prayer closet you have to go ahead and pray at a certain time you got to and I do not work my best in that God said Give me your best fruit. If your best fruit is not in the morning, if your best fruit don't look like how somebody else is doing it, it doesn't mean that it's not fruit nevertheless, but is it your best? And he is literally shaking the shackles off of me and I feel so free, so free to literally get to the place that I can look at somebody else's outline and go great, but that's not the paper that God is writing for my book. I'm not writing that. So I don't have to keep glancing at your outline, but I will take the principle. The principle is make sure you have a schedule. I will take the principle. I want to walk with God. I will take the principle. If it doesn't look like it's factoring in my ingredients, then it's not the recipe for me. How many substitutions and wait, but I'm allergic to that. And do you have to realize, bro, you might as well just cook something completely different. Cause at this point it's no longer what you were looking at. <laughs> you understand? And God is really trying to, I feel like strongly in my spirit, I'm not going to hold you that he's trying to unshackle people because for so long you are trying to be what you are not. And it's a double L. You know why it's a double loss? Because A, you can't be you and B, if you are doing something and you're not you, you're going to bear fruit that doesn't resonate with you. It's a double loss. I remember before my husband and when I was not dating, but I had one experience because we try not to remember the past because that's in the sea of forgetfulness. But when I was dating and I tried to be the party girl, man, let me tell you what, 
went ahead and found myself with a grandbaby that DJs and was in the party scene. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. I was the only grandbaby. I looked like I was going to church compared to how those girls were dressed. Not only that, I had a coat because it's cold. What y'all doing? I was, I stuck out like a sore thumb. You understand? To the point that, that the grandbaby at the time was like, mm, you couldn't find something else. I'm talking about fully covered. I didn't have party gear, sir. Now, if you asking me to just wear my underwears and, a, um, and a cami, cause that's what it looks like. The dress code is like, I can't do, I'm not comfortable and it's winter. Okay. And even if it's not winter, the sun drop at night, I'm cold. So what you, it, it is beyond me, the different ways we try to shape shift in order to be in environments that don't serve us anyway, man, I was sick. I remember thinking like, oh, okay, this weekend I'm a rest and got a tech message like, yo, it's a day party and a brunch. Like we packed this weekend. I wanted to call the phone company and ask them to just, yo, just disconnect the line. Like I need a respite. Like put the phone on vacation mode from y'all in so that when people call and text, I get nothing. I need a break and I need it now. Okay. And that's what that was starting to feel like. I remember being at jobs and I'm like, huh? No, I can't. How many pounds you want us to lift? I'm not lifting nothing. Do you see my nails? Like, I can't. This is not. No, why can't y'all call one of the um people from the. Yeah, it is really clear. And that's the boggling part. It is really clear when something is not naturally aligned to you. The things that you call fun. If somebody else is looking at you like, no, but you should do it this way. That's not fun to me. This is not fair to me. This is not a good work environment to me. This isn't to me. This is not how I define family. I don't define family by blood. Let me just go ahead and give you an update. Now family requires a group of people that support one another and gives you the freedom and the space to be you and they accept you, but they want the best for you. And so they understand the ingredients of you. They understand the mechanics of you so that when it is time to sharpen you, they don't push you away and they don't say anything that puts you in a place of shackles. Family is a supportive group of people that make space for you, want the best for you, and they know you well enough to know how to sharpen you when it's time to sharpen you and when to be silent when it's time to be silent. And most of all, they go to God for you. That's family to me. Family supports. I feel like I'm going to say it again. It's like because I feel like when you like, oh, that's my sister, but I don't really talk to her like that. Then like, why you keep, why you torture yourself like that then? Like, I, I understand wanting to be a part of your natural origin, but I don't understand being a part of something that doesn't accept you and you got to be phony or you have to be shackled or you have to be a different version of you in order to commune with them. I don't want to have to wear uh, anything different outside of my natural clothing to be in a relationship with someone, whether it's family, whatever the title is, whatever it is, I don't want to pretend. I don't want to have a mask to have you be a part of my life. Life. That's weird to me. It is weird to me that you can't share the things that excite you, the things that you're nervous about, the things that, and you call these people and you give them intimate titles. That is weird to me. 
Why is that weird to me? Because I finally got to the place that I don't allow Webster to define family for me. I finally got to the place that I was like, yo, what does it really mean to me? What does being in a marriage really mean to me? With God's principles, don't get it twisted. I'm a part of a covenant. I'm not a part of a marriage. <laughs> so yeah, let's just go ahead. Okay, great. What does mothering mean to me? What does a successful adulthood look like for my children to me? And then most importantly, what is it about my children that I need to sharpen that doesn't look like me? Imagine me trying to force my son to study in a certain way. He's failing. Rebuke that name of Jesus because I'm trying to put my imprint on his social security card. That doesn't make any sense. And so God really had to like release me today. Like, yo, the Bible says those who are free, you free indeed. Like, don't go back to getting shackled again in another area, even if it's for good intentions. There's nothing wrong with saying, man, I would like to see the best results from my life. It starts to become wrong when it feels wrong to you. I literally was like, wait a minute, I'm doing this completely off. And so I needed to see a, an example in the Bible of someone that was able to stand firm, 10 toes down and say, listen, I know that this is probably how y'all do it, but I don't rock like that. It's not natural to me. And who am I talking about? Your boy, David, right before he did that thing that he did with Goliath. I want to go ahead and read exactly that. First Samuel 17, you know, I read in the NLT version. Let's go to verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Pause. Bruh said, bro, I got the hands. Let me go get him. 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. and He's been a man of war since his youth. Pause. That's how most of your family members talk to you, but that's still your family. You still call them and you still speak to them and you still give them an ear to what you're doing in your life. And you still give them the same proximity, even though they're poison. But that's between you and the Lord. 34. That was a quick read. 34. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 35, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death, 36. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Pause, another quick read. Um, you know the litmus test to you are in a relationship that does not make room for you. You have to continuously say or show or do something that uh, defends you, that proves your worth, that like, no, I, I can do this. Like, li listen to David. It's like, why you got to explain to him that what you've done in the, she he didn't see you being a shepherd, so he won't understand, but you got to sell yourself because he doesn't believe in you. Yeah, most people have uh, those people very close proximity to them. And it blows my mind that you don't really understand some of the ingredients to your depression, rebuking the name of Jesus, some of the ingredients to your fear, some, because you don't want to tell your parents because then they're going to say, and you don't want to tell your best friend because then she going to have something to say, and you don't want to tell. And the question is not more so like, don't tell them then. No, why are they in your life in that level and to that proximity? Why do you have the closest people to your ear that looks like the serpent in Eden? Why? Yeah, I don't want anybody in my ear that's close enough to change the perspective and the promise that God gave for me. 
Eve fell in the garden because the serpent was too close to her ear. Those kind of people need to be in the nosebleeds. If you don't want to completely kick them out of theater of your life, they need to be in the nosebleeds. Where I can see that you're there, but whatever you have to say does not impact or infect what God said for me to do. Point blank, the period, that on that. Okay, quick read. 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He's still begging. I can't. Saul finally contested. All right. Go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. Pause. Saul, I, I sent some shade. Like, why you, why you say it like that? Because he had to convince him to the point that he's like, I hear you, but I don't believe in you. I hear you, but I don't believe you. And yet those are the people that most grandbabies still want around them. Why? Because you want quantity more than quality in your life. You want to be able to take a picture of a group of people like my village came out, but are they really? I mean, village like in like in YMCA or like village as in everyone supports you and it, t- it took a village to support you in a race. Like what kind of village you talk? What? What? Because be honest, I'm, I'm going to do a lot. I'm never going to lie to myself. You understand? So Saul did what most of the people do for the other grandbabies that are not you and I, right? It was like, oh, okay, well, bless your heart, and, which is shade I learned in the southern parts of the world, but have a nice day. So uh, 38. Then Saul gave David his armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, because you know, that's the least he can do, right? It's like, Oh, if you're going to go out there and and get plummeted, let me at least try to give you something to protect some of your vital organs. Okay. 39. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like for. He had never worn such things before. Pause. He was like, okay, well, let me try this out. <laughs> Cause I never had this. They don't sell this in the, um, shepherd.com backslash, uh, David apparel. They don't sell that there. So let me like, let me put my strap this up, put this, Oh, this is out. This is sharp. Like what's that? You know, you try, you got to try to figure it out because most of us are going out with other people's armor and we never tested it for ourselves. We just s- said, I trust the person giving it to me and you went out and then you wonder why you failed. They gave you their armor for their marriage. That didn't mean go ahead and apply it to yours. They gave you their armor and their recipe for their business. That didn't mean to go ahead and do it with yours. They went ahead and told you how they got promoted. That doesn't mean to go ahead and try to walk in their shoes to get your promotion. Yes, sometimes um, that, that was wisdom right there. He tested. The Bible says test the spirit, right? You'll, you'll know a man buys fruit. So why is it that when somebody gives it to you, you take it as like it's it's law and you don't go back to see, well, let me actually see if this works. Imagine trying something new on Thanksgiving, the day on Thanksgiving. Everybody knows that is, that's, that's criminal. Okay. That, that is, uh, it can be tried in the courts because you never try something new on Thanksgiving. You tried out before then taste it and go, Oh, that's not going to be a crowd favorite. <laughs> Let me go back to my natural recipe and do what you've been doing. What people keep coming over for. But if you can't try something new on the day of Thanksgiving, because it's, we get it one time a, a year. Okay. This is a one-time situation. Please don't try to fumble the bag. Then why do we take other people's recipes and apply it to our new day, our new situation? Our new, whatever it is, why didn't you at least test it? 
to see if it was even something that you should adopt. Hmm. And that's the word right there. That's between you and the Lord. Okay, so I'm 39 again. So David put it on. He strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. 40. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. You know what an operative word is that just jumped out at me? So David took them off again, which means to me that he tried it multiple ways before he came to the conclusion of like, this doesn't work. All right, maybe I should strap the sword on, but then keep it this way. Mm. Maybe I should put the sword to the left and then, the oh, all right, that's, that makes my hip hurt. Okay, I'm going to put the sword to the right and then, me, okay, what if I just wore the helmet and, the, and then took the sword? Or I feel like the Bible put that there strategically, so David took them off again because David realized, bro, this is not working on multiple other times, just like me. You tried to wake up at five-ish, six-ish. Matter of fact, I didn't even hear the alarm for five. <laughs> let the Lord, let, let the Lord, uh, let me tell the truth. I didn't even hear, snoozed all the way to eight. And it was like, buddy, I don't understand. And so what, you, what I had to come to the conclusion of today is you tried it several times. Guess what? You can't go and continue in that way. Why? David, go ahead and do it for the people. Say it again, sir. I'm not used to them. I'm not used to them. So if I'm not used to something, that means that it's not made for me. If it's not made for me, then it means that it was made for you. And if I go out to this battle that God made for me and something that he made for you, then I just may not get the results that God had intended for me. And what did he do? He went back to what he knows is ye old faithful. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag and then armed only with shepherd's staff and sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. I think the Bible, I think the Holy Spirit was a strategic with that too. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. Uh-uh, he don't have no helmet on. Let David have been modern day time. Uh-uh. No, when you go to battle, you're supposed to have something that protects you, at least your torso. Uh-uh, no, because see, that's the problem. No, you, you win this way. And then you'll have people so loud and so wrong. So, so loud, but so wrong. Quick to give you a word that's not even for you. Quick to go ahead and say what you should do and don't even know the, the God that has you out there to do it in the first place. I'm sorry, What? Holy Spirit put a little shade, then, comma, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. He don't need all that when he doing it the way that God, he feels led that God do it. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when I read this whole entire chapter, read your Bible, that's between you and the Lord. I did not read that he said, he asked, God, how do I go out there? What do you want me to do? Should I do a couple of push-ups before I go out there? Because these boys got me scared, talking about I ain't no way I can win. Like, they're not even trying to be discreet. They're like, oh, no way. It's Beyonce. Like, oh, you know. So don't even try to sing. 
But what if it's that Beyonce can win and then I could win too if I wanted to sing? So I just can't start at all because she's been singing since she's been a youth. Like, bruh, it's a realm of comparison for everyone. Because if you're getting ready to be a preacher, oh, you're not T.D. Jakes. He's been preaching since. Oh, wait, you're you going to try to be an architect. Mm-mm, you can't be. And someone will name or highlight somebody else's success since when you're not even off the road to walk into the path that God has for you. People say the wrong things at the wrong time and then wonder why you don't want to stay in the midst of that wrongness. People say the wrong things at the wrong time, thinking that they're doing something right for you, but it don't feel right to you. The litmus test that you're getting uh, advice that is probably not aligned to what God wants to do, it feels wrong. And it makes you feel like a failure when you try it on. And then you're looking back at God like this feels wrong. And he's like, so give it back. Take it off again. It's not for you, mama. <laughs> Sir, it's not for you. That's the problem. You, mm-mm. God has a illustrated, customized win for you that does not require for you to look like somebody else. It is literally tailor-made just for you. And so what you need to do is just be excited and bold enough to go out and look like exactly you. You know why it doesn't feel natural to you? It's nothing wrong with you. It's just not for you. That's why you can taste something that somebody says is amazing. You like, mm, what do you say? That's not for me. It even became slang. It's the shoes for me. You know, like we, we know it in a passerby or kind of way, but we don't apply it to when it really matters to God's promise for our lives. And I really feel passionate about this because I feel like it's another, yet another demonic tool that the enemy tries to use. I don't want us falling into the BBL generation where this is, this is the way you get success. This is the way you get the dollar. This is the way you secure the bag. This is the way that you get the man. This is the way that you get the girl. This is the way that you travel the world. This is the way, like the, it's a recipe. The world is full of opinions but the only one that can point you to your promised land is the one that created it for you that's why you're looking at everybody else and you feel like an alien sometimes you're like is something wrong with me yes it's that you're not making room for you and that's wrong that's the only wrong you're guilty of that you're not making room for you it's not natural to me in the words of David I'm not used to this it's not for me it's you for me you understand all right listen I feel like you got what you needed mm-hmm. you know what these conversations are right right they are life-provoking conversations conversations that not the average person is going to have with you but who your favorite homegirl and that's honestly what my whole YouTube channel is about. It's about talking about the behind the scenes of the creating and what God is doing through me and for me and to me as I'm really learning the true path of the abundance that he has for me, for me. Oh, you didn't know I had a YouTube channel. 
I would say something bad about you, but you somebody's grandbaby. Uh, created the number two multiply is the YouTube channel. Created the number two multiply.com is the website where all the things are all the things. The text community, the blog community on Patreon, strive, the letter N, inspire. Y'all, I'm doing all the things. And I'm going to do all the things that feel natural to me. Can I give you one more little piece of something real quick? I literally had to write down the things that I was doing or the things that I wanted to go and venture in and ask myself, do you really want to do that? Even if it's for a good cause, like, do you really want to do that? And when I was like, "Ah, I just don't want to. I allowed myself the freedom to not pursue it without an explanation because it there is no explanation when it's for a good cause or when it's there's nothing bad about it like why would you not want to do a b and c just because it don't feel natural to me i'm not used to that do you understand that like and i wish i can tell you okay i'll tell you one of the ventures one of the ventures was yo i should do a bible study right go ahead and do something virtual real quick because i like the Bible and I like getting revelation and I like that. And when I wrote down that the Bible study on the list of the things that I was going to be pursuing and, and is actually actively pursuing, it felt wrong. And it's nothing wrong with wanting to do a Bible study. What's wrong with wanting to pick up your Bible? Are you not close to the Lord? Like what happened? And it literally was, God was allowing me, to truly identify in me if that was something that I wanted to do. I was like, no, I don't really, I don't want to do that. Now, it may be for this season. Maybe I'll have to do it later. Who knows? But I know that authentically, every time I read everything else, I had a certain feeling. Every time I was like, yeah, that, mm, got to that and was like, it felt like work. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't want to be a part of anything that makes me feel like it's a duty. I want to serve and use the oil of my gift, however God says to do so. But I also want to make sure that I'm connected to it. Because if you're real with yourself, the things that feel like, oh, and you do that with, you don't really pour excellence into that. You don't really give that your best foot forward. You don't really, those are one of the first things that when it's time to make a cut, you like, good, cut Bible study because I don't want to do that. You see what I'm saying? And so my unders, and I feel like God gave me the the leeway to be like, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Don't do it because, you know, it probably would gain momentum and people would. No, no, no. Don't. It can't be that. It has to be. I naturally feel connected to this. I have defined a why that will keep me consistent in this. And I feel like this is a line for what God has for me. If it doesn't check those three things for me, count me out, period. I don't care what it is. And I want us to start being bold enough because that's your challenge to go ahead and just say, yo, it, it doesn't, I don't care what the overall premise is. I have to be true to the wiring of me. And if it's not natural to me, then it's not my zone of genius. And if it's not my zone of genius, then I'm stepping into waters with somebody else's shoes. And that's scary to me. Do you understand? But all right, we're going to go for real now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later? Okay, later.